Hey, welcome to the Banners Broadcast. It's Bobby Manning. Just want to let you know that you can find the Banners Broadcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and the CLNS Media mobile app, and every week on Celtics Blog. If you want to send us a voicemail to appear on this program, just call 978-595-1744. Don't worry, I won't answer. Just go straight to voicemail, leave your 10-12 second comment, question, whatever you want, You'll be on the show. Enjoy. First of all, a garden, it's not. It's a train station, really. One flight up and you're on the fabled parquet floor. Now, before you get all misty-eyed about the parquet, take a closer look. Everybody, it's Bobby Manning. Welcome to the Banners Broadcast, a weekly talk about the Celtics. Whatever's on our minds, we just bring to the table. We're the official podcast of CelticsBlog.com, bringing you content from over there. And as we get into the season, going to have a variety of good guests with us here on the program. We've moved out to Syracuse as the host of the show right here, so we got a nice place to do this every week now it's not going to be as makeshift as it was before and i believe this is episode eight so we are rolling along and it is just about the time in the off season where we're going to do a little thing that we call roster preview we already know the team quite a bit from last year but as we know things don't stay the same year to year we got new faces we got old faces who might be changing a little bit up for the better or down for the worse so we got to talk about them right here, and that's what we're going to do today, but I am not going to do it alone. We have a Celtics blog alum with us today, <laughs> formerly of the site, now freelancing everywhere. You know him most from his role on the Garden Report, and his name is James Toscano, Jimmy Toscano, with us today. What is good? What's cracking, man? What's up, B-Sizzle? Good to be here. Thank you for having me on. I was very appreciative of the uh, of the invite. And uh, yeah, Celtics blog. Celtics blog's the OG for me. It's, it's kind of like the beginning of my Celtics reporting career. So I'm 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 pumped that I can still do the Garn report for them. I'm pumped to be able to contribute here and there because I know just from you know growing up, I was going there first as a fan. So I know how passionate everybody on that site is and how into and you know they just live and die for the Celtics, which is how it really should be. And Honestly, you can learn a lot from, you know, reporters. I know for a fact they go to sites like Celtics Blog and other fan sites because there's a lot of fans out there that know a heck of a lot more than Celtics. Yeah, reporters. no doubt. It's, it's no, crazy. it's amazing. Yeah. You look in the comment section, they'll pretty oh, much yeah. be editing your work. They'll point Absolutely. out where you're wrong. They'll be throwing <laughs> stuff right back at you. It's incredible. You even got poems in there. Some of the stuff you see in the comment section is just unbelievable. <laughs> So, I know, and the comment section is awesome because I know a lot of SB Nation blogs, they don't have a comment section like Celtics blog. So that's pretty unique and it's something that I hope they keep forever. Yeah, no doubt. And it brings back that old 90s like chat room feel. It's awesome. Yeah, it really does. Talking to you today, a lot has happened. Uh, someone told me we had to keep you busy, so we're going to hear your voice on a lot of the stuff that has happened first right out of the gate here. And we got to talk about it. Kyrie Irving got traded to the Celtics. I haven't done a... Rash reaction to it yet. <laughs> because, and it's good that I didn't because it's on hold right now. Thursday morning, the physical has to be sent in by the Cavaliers. And 
pretty much finalized at that point. So Thursday is it Thursday? Decision day. I yeah, thought it was, I thought it was Wednesday, but yeah, maybe it's Thursday. So when, either way, it's Wednesday the physical up. has to be done okay. and all set, and then Thursday it's finalized by the league, all the paperwork okay. and crap like that. So that's how that goes. So we're we're heading against it now. We're about a day away. And it's the latest that I've heard from Adrian Wojnarowski, our official source on everything, is that <laughs> it seems like this deal is going to get done. So all the mishap aside, we have plenty of time to talk about that another time. But basically, what is your feeling on the new look Celtics? Because it really is a completely different team with a new guy at the top now. Isn't it crazy how differently they look now compared to the last game of the year? I mean, this was a team that was in the Eastern Conference Finals. You know, obviously they were outplayed by a team that was better than them in, in the Cavaliers, but they were a good team. I think they were better than maybe Danny Ainge expected them to be, you know, a couple years back, you know, when he was had this idea of sort of like the crossover years until he could get a couple of legit superstars. This is a completely different team. I think that they're going to be a very, very, very good team, obviously, when you've got a guy like Kyrie Irving leading the charge, Gordon Hayward, who... By the way, the Celtics also acquired him this summer. I know no one's really mentioned him. Yeah, since we the forgot Kyrie all about the man himself. How, how quickly we forget Gordon Hayward is now in the passenger seat very quickly. And then Al Horford, who had, by you know, an, NBA, an educated NBA fan's um, opinion, of a really, really good season for the Celtics, and he was exactly what they wanted him to be, the facilitator in the big man role. And he's still going to be able to do his thing, and he's got a year under his belt here in Boston. There's no... You know, there's no surprises from sort of like the maybe the the city standpoint and the fan standpoint and just the culture standpoint. But like everybody else now, he has to adapt to a whole new team. So just when he was starting to get uh, acclimated to a guy like Isaiah Thomas and Avery Bradley and Jay Crowder and you can go on and on, now he's basically almost like a free agent all over again for the yeah. second straight year. Um, so that's going to be interesting. I, I do think the Celtics are going to be a top team in the East. Um but do I think that they're going to hit some rough patches? Yes, I actually do think yeah, that they're going to have some rough patches. I think the biggest issue pressing my mind on this is where's the team identity go? Because that's mm-hmm. an intangible thing. Some people believe in it, some people don't. But I think it's pretty clear if you watch this team over the last three, four years. They gained a lot from how close they were, how dedicated yeah. they were to Brad Stevens' system. And just how hard they fought in all these games. We saw comeback after comeback in those year, early years to help them get better, add more talent, and then become what they came. Now all that's out the window. The core of the team is gone, and you're basically starting fresh with a new locker room dynamic. We know the lineups are going to be a work in progress, but does the chemistry of the team concern you at all with a new leader? Basically two new leaders in Hayward and Irving. And uh, they have to develop a dynamic with the coach with the role guys who are already here, it's base, It's a new team. I say it again and again, and it's true. <laughs> oh, yeah. If you don't think there's going to – if you're not at least concerned a little bit about potential chemistry issues, then you're not paying attention because it's the NBA. You know, these guys, they've got the biggest egos in all of sports, first of all. And they all want the ball. They all want to score. They all want to do well, and that's fine and dandy. But when it comes down to it, how badly do they actually want to win? Now, I'm not saying that none of these guys want to win because I'm sure they all do. But when the Celtics originally formed that big three way back when, those were players at different points in their careers. Those were guys who had been chasing rings. They were in the twilight, not twilight stages, but they were in the later stages of their career. And they were, they were willing to put you know, their, their numbers aside, essentially, and take a little hit here, take a little hit there for the greater good. 
Now, I'm not saying that I, Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward and Al Horford aren't willing to do that, but I'm not saying that it's going to be as easy as it was because it definitely will not be. Nothing is that is comes together as quickly as it did for the Celtics in 2007-2008. That was just one-in-a-lifetime type of a coming together, and I just don't see that happening. It's going to be more like when you see a team like the Heat originally when they came together, they couldn't seal the deal all the way. Um, you know, some of these super teams, like, you know, you can look at, you can go down the line, like even the Clippers, guys, teams like that, where they do run into issues, not saying health health aside, they just run into some chemistry type issues. So I do expect that to be a problem. And like you said, the identity, the Celtics of the last couple of years, they were beating teams, not really based on skill, but based on more effort and just desire to win and pull mm-hmm. these games out. And some of it, of course, has to do with Brad Stevens and some play calling, but at the end of the day, they seem to want it more. And I know that's kind of cliche because everybody wants it, but it really did feel like guys like Crowder, Bradley, and Thomas. Those it was guys evident that, at the end of those games, they'd be down eight, yeah. ten points, and they push they, through, make it close, even if they lost. And that, yeah, that they, became a staple of the team. Yeah, they never gave up. And and I'm the first one to admit that I haven't watched a ton of Jazz games over the years, and I would be willing to bet there's a lot of Celtics fans out there who feel the same way. I've seen a lot of Cavs games. I know Kyrie Irving's game, and I know he's not one to give up either. But I am just will be very interested to see how they come together down the stretches, who has the ball in their hands, who wants the shot, who takes the shot. And those are things that we're going to find out slowly but surely. But for people who are, you know, predicting the Celtics are going to have, you know, 60 wins, you know, hold the phone because I think you're in for a rude awakening, at least in year one. Undoubtedly. And... It's going to be interesting to watch because we really don't know who's here yet. It's weird we're starting the roster review series because this trade is still yet to be finalized officially. Right. I mean, it's done. You got the jerseys in the different stores. You got guys wearing Cavaliers yeah. tank tops yeah, yeah. who might not be wearing them next week. So we, who knows where this is going to go from here because it's already gotten crazy enough. Uh, David Griffin's talking tonight on NBA TV about some of the inner workings of the deals, some of the insight he might be able to provide from the Cavs' perspective. We heard Woj say the Cavaliers might be willing to get this done for a late first, early second. So that gives some optimism to some of the people I've talked to this week on the Celtics side who say, you know, Cavaliers need that Brooklyn pick. They're not going to do better than that. They're getting a good player in Jay Crowder. Isaiah, he said today he believes he's going to be the same player with that hip. He's been seeing a guy in New York, a renowned hip doctor mm-hmm. in New York, who seemed to give him some cause for optimism about the level of severity for his hip. So we're going to see where that goes. My brass reaction, and I'm going to get into this more on future shows on Irving, is is he ready to lead a team? I, I'm not going to bash Kyrie Irving as I did before earlier in my days at, for being <laughs> such a poor leader on the Cavaliers. And he was young. you got to give him credit for that. And he hit the shot of a lifetime for the Cavaliers. And that really helped to change my view of who Irving is as a player. I know he has the best handles I've ever seen. I know he's the best finisher I've ever seen. But there's a lot of questions with this guy as a number one that I want to see answered, especially where he's going to be distributing for the team. But I'm willing to give him a chance. I'm going to go into this with an open mind. He's a 25-year-old. I'm going to see where it goes. And, of course, part of me hurts that Isaiah's out the window, Crowder's out the window. Those are guys who help build what we have today. And it's, part of me just hurts because those guys, if they go on to win a championship, aren't going to be part of it. And they really helped establish the groundwork. And it, it's a business, but sometimes it's a cruel business. 
So let's get into the guys who are going to be part of this whole thing going forward. We have four guys today on the table who we absolutely know are going to be back for next year. And chief among them, who I feel is a great, brilliant player to start with. And brilliant is a very great way to describe this guy. Also (laughs) underrated last year. He is Al Horford. And isn't it amazing how the consensus changed on Al Horford? It, it was jubilation the day they signed him. Biggest signing in oh, Celtics yeah. history. And then at the end of the season, you got guys laughing at him, like ducking out of the way of a rebound on a free throw in the East Finals. So he caught a lot of criticism this year. I thought he handled it brilliantly. He definitely caught the brunt of that Boston media market, which comes down hard on athletes notoriously. And I feel like he played amazingly through it. If you dig deep on this guy's numbers, he was a sensational player last year. And he's only in his second year here now. But you're going to look at this guy to be one of the centerpiece leaders on this new look team next year. Isn't it amazing? Oh, absolutely. And I think that's exactly what the Celtics want. They want him to have, they want him to be a, a big leader and, and have a big role on this team. And yeah, you're right. There are some Boston media members and even fans of just Boston sports in general who want more of that rah-rah energy, emotional, wear it on your sleeve, wear it on your heart. Yeah, he he really is, and that's why people just loved KG because he, you know, win or lose, he he left it all out there in the court. And so does Al Horford. He just does it in a different way, and a lot of what he does. And I'm not trying to sound like I see the game differently than other fans do, but you can't just look at the box score at the end of the game if you didn't watch it and say, Al Horford, what are they paying this guy for? He only had, you know, 12 points, 7 rebounds, and 5 assists. Well, first of all, that's pretty good. Um, second of all, it's the way in which he does those things, and it's when he does those things, and it's the, it's the things that don't show up in the box score. It's getting guys, it's allowing other players to take those shots, to have those open shots, to make those passes. It's getting guys in position to make winning plays. And you don't have to explain to any of his teammates or any of his coaches. You don't have to explain to them what he does. They all know what he does. And, and more of him is a better thing for the Celtics next year. And I still expect him to be that quiet, you know, sort of leader, steady guy on and off the court. So if you didn't really enjoy his game last year, you still might not enjoy it that much this year. But you have plenty of other flashy guys in the team that can sort of take over that. Yeah, and he's a smart, smart player, which is what you mm-hmm. want to see out of a veteran core guy like him. Really an untypical centerpiece player. He just doesn't look like any guy you'd look at on any different team in a traditional basketball team and say, <laughs> like, that's one of their most important guys. He plays the game in a weird way, especially for a center. And it's weird, but it's brutally effective. Uh, how many times in the playoffs last year when they needed a big basket were they able to throw it down to him with an array yep. of fakes, great footwork. He was just able to finish over defensively inept players, smaller players. He took advantage in the post time and time again. We thought we were going to see him shooting a ton of threes. It kind of winded down as the season went on. I think he was only taking two or three attempts a game by the time the playoffs came. But what was key is he was hitting one or two of those a game and only taking three. Situationally, he was huge. And they were 128.4 offensive rating when he was on the floor in the playoffs. That was ninth among every player who played in the playoffs. He was top 10 in value over replacement player. He was top 10 in win shares in the playoffs in the same league as guys like John Wall, Steph Curry, LeBron James, Kawhi. Those guys you look at and say, like, those are game changers. And you look at Al Horford, give him the eye test, 
And you don't mm -hmm. see it, but you dig deep on some of these numbers, and he was brutally effective last year. I mean, he got a little bit shaken up with injury in the playoffs, so that's certainly a concern. He said that as the year went on, he started to break down into the playoffs a little bit. He's getting older. He's making a lot of money, which people are always concerned about just in terms of right. what he's bringing to the table, percentage of the cap, all that. Are there yep. any concerns on your end, legitimate concerns you have about him going forward? Legitimate concerns? No. I think he's a stretch big who's uh, still working on that three-point game. I expect him to continue even more so next year. You know, every year under Brad Stevens, you know he's in his ear, you know, expand that and span your range, expand your range. Mm -hmm. And I think he was over 50% in the playoffs. I know he was taking less, but he was still hitting those shots um, at a very, very good pace, especially for a big man. So I expect that to remain a big part of his game. Um, no, he's that type of guy where you don't have to worry about him. You don't have to worry about him doing Never. something dumb off the court. You don't have to worry about him not putting in the effort. You know, he's very level-headed. He's that guy where you can just, if you're Brad Stevens, you can just trust that he's going to do what he needs to do to put himself in the best position to win. And that's what they're, that's what they're counting on him to do and lead and lead this team by example more than you know, by his voice, I think he's more of a, you know, lead by what you see him doing than what you see him saying. Yeah, and he's going to become all the more important right now that it's a completely new team, like we said at yeah. the very beginning. And I, I'm expecting more of the same out of him. The strong picks, the good pop-out threes, some of the nice cuts to the basket. He had some massive dunks last year. As quiet as he was, as subtle as his game seemed to be, he had some ferocious moments too. He's going to continue to be a joy to watch for the basketball junkies. I know that. And he's yeah, we'll see. I will say one quick thing. There were some times last year where you kind of did want him to step up in position in points where maybe Isaiah wasn't really on his game and there wasn't anybody really carrying the scoring load. You were kind of hoping for him to maybe take over that role um, at occasion. And I could see why some fans would be frustrated at points because they weren't they weren't really getting that you know dominant offensive performance or they weren't getting that you know maybe that fire that they wanted to see, but. I think over time that stuff kind of levels out. And I think he was much more dependable than undependable for sure. Not even a question yeah. throughout the course of the season. There were just some points. And unfortunately, those are the points that some of these media guys, they harp on, um, you know, when you, when you not, when you don't show up uh, in a game, which is going to happen. Yeah, Everybody I, has those games. I think there's some legit concerns with, him. he's not a perfect player. We know that. I mean, if he right. was the greatest player in the world, they would have gotten by Cleveland. I think there's some legit questions when it comes to his size against some bigger players i don't think yeah. you want him battling against the seven footers i think that's part of the reason aaron baines is here but they did trade away zizek some of the big man depths of concern is there going to be guys to keep him away from those big bruising players especially as he gets older i think the questions about horford are less about horford himself and more about how the roster's built because they had trouble supporting him down there last year at times and it looks like they could have that again going forward especially because yep. i think baines is a downgrade from johnson but we'll get to him in another episode one of the big men who is joining the celtics who i think is going to be exciting fans Media people are like real soon is number 24 in his rookie year. Gershon Yabusele, the first mm -hmm. round pick last year, entering his first year. He's 6'7, he's 260 pounds. And I think what we got to start with when we talk about Yabusele is that beef. 
that beef he brings <laughs> to the court. He is a beefy man, and he's going to be bringing dunk. Yeah, that badunka dunk, the beef, he's going to be bringing it night in, night out. And we've dealt with that before. Bigger players here, Glenn Davis, Jared Sullinger, that type. Not mm-hmm. saying Yabusele is those guys, but he comes from that mold of a player who just holds weight easily. It seems like this guy loves playing a higher weight. You never know what, exactly what weight he's at. That fluctuates rapidly. But are you concerned that weight could be an issue with this guy? Because it's always a question with a guy that big. Or do you think it's going to be a strength in his game, just how strong he seems to be? Yeah, I don't have any reason to be concerned yet about the weight. I mean, I haven't. You know, I want to see. I want to wait and see what he looks like on media day, and I yeah. want to wait and see what he looks like the first couple of days of camp. I think the NBA is going to be definitely a wake-up call for sure for these young guys. It always is. Um, but I know that they really liked him a lot up in Maine, and he started to get way more comfortable in that style of play, the NBA game, because the D League or the G League, I should say now. It's it's no joke. It, it's becoming a very competitive league, and it, it's no longer you know the laughing stock that yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe maybe it once was. Yeah, in a few I, years, it's grown fast. I'll give you that. I've had my gripes about it, but it is moving fast. Yeah, it definitely is. There's some serious talent there that they can pull out. They've pulled out here and there. Um, and Yabo Selly, I think I I, I, I don't want to get too high up on him because it's so easy to because he's you know the Frenchman and. He's, you know, this guy that nobody really knows a whole lot about, but just based on some highlights that you see. Yeah, played in China, played in Maine. He was really the highlight, like, unknown dream. (laughs) The next Draymond Green, all that stuff. I do think that he could potentially carve himself out a role because, like you said earlier, there's a history of guys in that role of Bame, too. Glenn Davis is one of them, who they are just, they know how to use their bodies. They They get themselves in position. They make plays, and maybe he adds, you know, a little bit of, I don't know, pizzazz in a way that some of these other guys can at that at that height. I know he's got some good footwork for a big man, so um, it's going to be fun to watch him play and develop. Um, and the Celtics are going to have to figure out a way to balance, you know, the the veterans that they have that they can really really contribute, and then uh, more of a project guy like Yabusele, where yeah. you have to kind of you have to be careful with how much time. Um, you're willing to give him in, 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 that, in that first year in the NBA. You definitely have to be careful on that end. And how much he is a factor on this team is really going to be indicative of where they are developmentally. You're going to be looking at a lot of young guys like him. At least yep. one of them is going to have to step up and take a legitimate role on this roster, whether it's him, whether it's Brown. And you look at a guy like him in the front court where there's definitely room for a lot of minutes down there. Especially yep. in the absence of Kelly Olenek, Jonas Jarepko, Amir Johnson. The whole front court's pretty much gone besides Horford. Someone's going to have to step up and take those minutes. And you also got to mention Zizek, who's out the door in the uh, urban yep. trade as well. So it is really a decimated front court. You don't have Zizek with that pure seven-foot height. And some of the questions Yabusele had coming out of the draft is stuff you really got to watch for because Olenek, effective screen and roll guy, there's questions about Yabusele on the screen and roll. You know, his driving, mm-hmm. I thought Olenek was a very effective driver. Some people I've talked to say this isn't the most effective driving player. He sort of moves on a straight line. And, you know, there's, people love his leaping ability. People love his defensive tools with his feet. Especially. Athleticism. Yeah, his athleticism is crazy at his size. And he's a good passer from what I've heard, but everything's a work in progress with him, it seems like. Even the three-point shot, which was pretty good at all the levels he played at. 
So I sort of look at this guy and say, you know, he's not Kelly Olenek. He's not in that mold. But no. he sort of needs to fill that role somewhat because that role is not really here on this roster anymore. You know, good positional defense, good shooting on offense, good screen and role play by a third big man. They need a guy like that, and I don't think there's anyone who can fill that role but him on this roster. Yeah, well, if that's the case, then they're, they're going to have to really dig deep. I mean, he doesn't have the range that Olenek had, yeah. for sure, coming out. So that's something that Olenek really brought to the table is that he could stretch the floor. Um, you know, he was above average. Olenek, Olenek to me, was, was an above average you know, role player for them. He, he did have a couple of wild you know, games that really kind of came out you know of left that. field. But yeah, good and bad. They'll take him. Yeah, oh, <laughs> right, ex- exactly. Um, but Yabu Selly, I think he's a guy that they certainly – you know, they have a vision for down the road, but I don't think that they think he's going to come in and fill in Olenek's, Olenek's shoes right off the bat. I think that that would be asking a lot because yeah, and Olenek, I think Olenek, wasn't, Olenek wasn't doing, you know, what he was. Olenek's first couple years, nowhere, you know, close to where he was it took to, a long to get time, that $50 million. It took a long time for him to become Game 7 Olenek, that's for sure. Right, exactly. So Yabu Sele is really a guy to watch for. It seems like some of the draft guys really think the Celtics got him at a good spot in that draft in the middle of the round. We've seen a lot of guys in that position thrive at a higher level you'd expect a frontline draft guy to thrive in, but he's still young. He hasn't faced anywhere near NBA competition, and he's going to be doing that for the first time this year. So I think it's going to be important to add a veteran big to this roster. And one of the guys we have to talk about today is a guy who's not even here yet. You know, they sent three guys out in that Kyrie Irving trade, if it does go through, only one guy coming back. So you're going to have an open roster spot here. They already had an extra uh, guy on the roster in Shane Larkin before. So now there's mm-hmm. one open spot they need to fill. And luckily for them, there's an abundance of guys out there. And they're already starting to talk to them. Andrew Bogut has been in contact with the team. Of course, they were close to signing him last year. Uh, Thomas Robinson, who they have had trade talks in the past with several teams about, is also in talks with the team. And then, of course, you got Gerald Green, Tony Allen, but we just talked about Yabu Sele and how unreasonable it is to think he'll be the third best big man on this team and really fill that Olenek role, especially since he's a little bit undersized himself, undeveloped. And so I think you need to bring a big man in here. So it seems like it's either going to be Bogut, who broke in half five seconds into his Cavaliers career and has been injured pretty much his whole career, and Thomas Robinson, who's a big-time draft pick out of Kansas, has hit a ton of teams mm-hmm. at this point and hasn't stuck. You know, he hasn't gotten a lot of opportunity, but he hasn't stuck anywhere either. Today he said he thinks he can be a top-10 rebounder in this league, and we love to hear that out of Celtics land. And so that's my guy, you know. The rebounding on this roster is scarce. The size on this roster is scarce. I was big on Bogut last year. I thought he was hugely impactful with the Mavericks. But I'm done with him after that injury. You know, it's the straw that broke whatever, whatever that saying is. straw that broke Bogut's body. Yeah, (laughs) that's the new saying from now on. So who are you looking at in this free agent class to fill that last spot? There's definitely some good options. Yeah, no, I, I kind of agree with you there with Robinson. I mean, there hasn't been a ton of chatter with an, with other players. At least Thomas Robinson is the one that's come up. And he's a guy, I and mean, I think you know that when you said, like, the word, I think you said potential. That's Danny Ainge's, like, favorite word, I think, after athleticism. And between those two words, those are guys that he's looking for. And if he thinks that he can pull something out of Robinson or if he thinks Brad Stevens can pull something out of Robinson that nobody else has been able to yet – 
I think that's the way to go. Now, Bogut, I, I agree with you there, too. He's a guy that you know what you're going to get by now with Bogut. You're going to get a handful of minutes at less than 100%, mm-hmm. and then he may or may not be able to go the following game, but he's going to give you size down low. He's going to be that body, you know, and, and he might spell guys like Horford for a bit or whoever it may be, give him that breather. And he's he's a winner. He knows what it takes to win. He's, you know, I've I've had the opportunity to chat with him in the past. He seems like a good dude. He seems like a nice locker room guy. I don't think there'd be any issues there with bringing him in. Robinson, I'm not. I don't know much about him personally. I know he's been on a handful of teams uh, in a short amount of time. I don't. Not sure why that is, aside from lack of production. I don't know if there's anything more to that. So that might be a little bit of a red flag. Um, but again, we're talking about. We're talking about the very last roster spot, and I know that was a point of contention last year uh, coming out of camp, too. Was yeah, it going to be no Ger- Gerald Green or, or um, Hunter? And it ended up turning out Gerald Green ended up being uh, a pretty big part of this team at certain points. So you want to say, oh, it's the 15th roster spot. It doesn't mean anything. But at the same time, it could actually mean something, especially on a veteran team where you're going to get guys who want to play here. Uh, on, a, on a winning team, I should say, you're gonna get guys who want to play here that wouldn't join a, you know, a team that was in the dumps. Yeah, it's an interesting thing with Robinson. It really is hard to read into why he's been on so many teams at this point. He's been in a few different trades, probably his contract filler or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. He did. He was drafted by Sacramento, of course. Which yep. you know, guys come and go out of there like nothing. We saw Isaiah Thomas come and go out of there, and look what he became. So Sacramento, you can never trust to develop these young guys. But he's had other opportunities. He's 25 now. He came in the league at 21. It's hard to read why he hasn't stuck. You know, the offense just doesn't seem to be there. It's definitely an offensively driven league at this point. There isn't as much room for a pure rebounder as there used to be. So that could be a reason. You know, I've been high on him in the past just because the team is so hungry for rebounding. And this is a guy who, per 36, of course not playing a lot of minutes, has been over 10 rebounds per 36 every year of his career. So that's definitely optimistic. He's going to have to play good defense. He's going to have to find a way to warrant those minutes here. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, guys like Gerald Green are intriguing because it fills in the continuity of the roster. You know, you want to have more guys back this year that were here last year, especially a veteran yep. like him. And I think it's always a good idea to have that veteran on the end of the bench. You know, they had Gerald Wallace in the early years here under Stevens, and then it kind of passed on to Gerald Green when he arrived here last year. So his name's not Gerald, but we'll <laughs> see if he can fill. You, you can never have enough scores, too. And a guy like Gerald Green, that's why he was so valuable to them. It was the scoring. He scored in bunches. I mean, you saw, like, one second he'd be inserted in the game, and then the next second he's got, you know, eight points on, you know, three of three shooting out of nowhere. It just spark, gives you that spark where last year the Celtics went into those scoring lows if Thomas wasn't doing his thing. Yeah. And Gerald Green, Gerald Green was able to come in and sort of right the ship a little bit or get them back on track. So if you want to get – you want to fill the end of that roster with guys who can sort of come in and do their thing. Whatever that is, do their thing to the best of their capabilities, even if it's for a short amount of time. Yeah. So that's what they sh- really should be looking for for that last spot. And let's, let's remember, Isaiah Thomas is seemingly out the door at this point. And this team has definitely had weaknesses over the last few years that have kind of been covered up. Size, rebounding, defense last year in particular – and Isaiah is gone now. You know, as great as Kyrie is, 
we're still learning about him, and we don't know to what degree he's going to be able to cover up these holes, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, we just saw Isaiah do unworldly things these last few years, and it covered up a lot of those holes. So I think now more than ever is a time where they really need to start addressing some of those holes and start moving in the right direction in those areas because you got to be a complete team to win a championship. You really do at the end of the day. And I think they yep. have gotten by on bad rebounding for a long time. But at this point, like, you look at this roster, there's not much of rebounding anywhere. <laughs> Up and down the lineup, Horford's not the greatest rebounder. Baines, mm, I don't know much about him yet. I haven't done a deep dive into Baines. And then Yabu yep. is an undersized guy himself. If Thomas isn't out there scoring 30, scoring 20 in the fourth quarter to pull them out of a dump that some of their weaknesses have put them in, they could have a few bad losses because of that oh, this yeah. year. Absolutely, and rebounding is, is, was an issue, and it still is going to be an issue. And, you know, that's why people were so broken up about the Thomas trees, because he saved them from so many of those games, and he, he brought them, you know, to where they were. So that's, I mean, obviously you could do a whole segment on, on you could do a whole video on the Thomas tree, and we probably yeah. won't someday. But, but, yeah, you're right. I mean, the it rebounding... It sits in the back is, of your mind on the roster, though. Yeah, it definitely does, yeah. because now they kind of have to face some of the realities that they didn't have to in years prior. And it kind of does feel like next year is going to be a realization year for this team. You know, I don't want to call it a rebuild year. I don't want to call it a bridge year because the talent is there. But they got to find themselves a little bit. Yeah, and what happened when they played the Bulls in the first round? I mean, that was the best re- one of the best rebounding teams in the NBA. And we saw the trouble that the Bulls gave the Celtics those first two games. I mean, some of it, a lot of it was to do with Rondo, but, I mean, he's a good rebounding guard. So, I mean, those types of players... Those are the guys who can really make or break a game. So we got two more guys to talk about before we get out of here. But first, I want to share some of the links of the program. We're here with Jimmy Toscano. Where can they find you on Twitter, Jimmy? Ah, okay, yeah, at Jimmy underscore Toscano. You can find me there. I'm still still tweeting away. Uh, you know, I, I I tweet a lot less in the summer, but you know, once the Celtics season starts rolling in you'll see me uh you'll see me going pretty strong with it yeah no doubt and he'll be back on the garden report with jared weiss jared weiss definitely grinding out there he has a post oh, yeah. tonight about that woge update you want to get your isaiah thomas trade update jared weiss has you covered on that and of course celtics yep. blog wrote a little piece on the irving trade myself it being a pivotal moment for this franchise and i'm a little bit pessimistic you know, I'm still kind of getting over some of the emotions of it. I didn't react immediately, which was probably a good thing. <laughs> so, yes. another thing I got to tell you about this uh, Banners broadcast. Still working on bringing it up, but if you would like to subscribe, like to give it a listen here or there, give me a little bit of advice on what we can do to make it better. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, we're on the CLNS Media app. Speaking of CLNS Media, new site coming. I've told you about that on here before. I'll have you an update when it's coming when that happens but it's amazing i saw it firsthand myself it's incredible the design the work they put into that and there's a lot of programs to be excited about over there on clns and of course give our staff over at celtics blog credit they've been grinding away through this wild wild off season (laughs) so check out the content over there i also want to tell you about FanDuel because fantasy football season is here we've all done our drafts we have all committed to the season-long grind, but look what happened just the other day. Julian Edelman goes down. If you drafted your team before they even played the first game and you expected Edelman to be part of your plan, 
that's over. Your team has already lost a key <laughs> piece, and that's out the window. So FanDuel, I feel like more than anything, gives you that power to see a guy like Edelman go down, play on a week-to-week basis, and not have that commitment because you throw money into your league with your friends, Edelman goes down, you're already screwed. So FanDuel allows right. you to go into every week and draft a new team on a week-to-week basis. You know, you can enter so many different kinds of contests. And what's going to be cool with FanDuel is that I'm going to be playing too. So if you want to join my league, go head-to-head with me, you're going to be able to do that. So it's just a great experience on FanDuel. You really get involved in the NFL on a week-to-week basis. Maybe you're a Jets fan and next season just has no hope. You can really get involved (laughs) that way. Every game becomes just more exciting and there's a lot of guys out there who are really exciting this season. I'm excited about Jameis Winston, Mike Evans, some of those guys on the Buccaneers. That's an up-and-coming team. So if you're a listener, you can a come hard play knocks. with me. Yeah, Hard Knocks, too. Great, great team for that. So there's a lot of reasons to be excited about this season. There's a lot of reasons to get involved with FanDuel. Over 2.5 million people are already doing it, and they're winning cash prizes out there. So I'm going to be involved this year. I'm going to tell you about that in the coming weeks. But if you go over to FanDuel and sign up today, hit the Join Now button over at FanDuel.com and use my code BANNER18, that's B-A-N-N-E-R-18. You're going to try FanDuel for free, no deposit required. All you're going to get is a free contest just to try it out. No risk involved. You might even win a little something off the bat and be convinced to try it some more. So all I ask is that you go out there and try a week of FanDuel. There's tens of thousands of dollars on the line every single week. All you got to do is use Banner18. That's FanDuel.com. Banner18, void where prohibited. Let's get back to the roster. There's two guys left we have to talk about today, so let's hammer these guys out. We're going to let you give us your thoughts on Marcus Morris because Marcus Morris is a guy no one would have imagined being here this year, especially with the beef with Markeith Morris. Who would have thought we'd have his brother on our (laughs) side this year? And uh, there's definitely an update warranted right here. They're still doing the preliminary, you know, legal mumbo-jumbo in Phoenix. They haven't even gotten in the real court dates yet. They're doing that stuff where they just go in, talk to each other for a few minutes, and then get out of here. I don't even think Morris is in Phoenix for it. So we've been getting updates on that. The scary part is that if he's convicted of assault from this 2015 case with Markeith Morris involved as well, that's an automatic 10-game suspension, minimum. So that Tough. would be a big, big bite out of his season, out of the Celtics' season. And now that Jay Crowder's gone, this is a guy they're going to be counting on for more minutes at the three and the four in this roster. Oh, yeah. I think Marcus Morris is a huge part of this team going forward. That's one of the reasons why Crowder was expendable, um, you know, in Danny Ainge's eyes. And when, when the Celtics, when they signed Hayward, I, I thought that the whole, you know, Crowder-Hayward thing would be a little iffy because I didn't know how Crowder would feel about taking that backup role because we know how he felt about the cheers that came uh, came Gordon Hayward's way when the season uh, last season and then when they went and traded Bradley and they got Morris I was like okay wait a second what's going on here there's there's too many many guys for one position somebody's on their way out they didn't trade for Morris to trade it to then trade him again obviously Mm -hmm. so it, it felt like the writing might have been on the wall at some point for Crowder now I like Morris a lot. I think Celtics fans are going to like Morris a lot. Um, you know, all that other off-the-court stuff aside, I think Morris is a guy that when he's on, you know, when he's engaged, 
He's an energy type guy. He kind of does remind you of Crowder and, and Bradley and Thomas in a way. I think he's kind of built that same, that same way, that same mentality. Mm-hmm. And if I'm correct, I think he's a huge Paul Pierce guy. No. Is he not a, I think he's a huge Paul Pierce <laughs> That's fan. That's news to me, and if it's true, it is a very good thing. It's either him or Markeith. I, I get the two confused because they're basically, you know, they're two peas in a pod, quite literally. Mm-hmm. Um, but I almost want to guarantee that he's a huge Paul Pierce guy. So if that's the case, then I already know that Marcus Morris is going to f- do just well here in Boston if he's yeah. even just similar to the type of player Pierce was. Yeah, that's the bar for being a good person. you got to be a Paul <laughs> Pierce guy. And uh, yeah. my, my thoughts on that, I definitely do see shades of Jay in his game, but... You know, it's another thing that kills me about this team. People rushing Crowder out the door after they acquired Morris. I think people are going to be in for a rude awakening on Morris. He definitely has strengths in his game that I feel like are going to be important for establishing an identity on this team going forward. But I definitely mm-hmm. think there's glaring weaknesses in his game, too. He has a very low rebound rate, particularly mm-hmm. on the offensive side of the floor. That's not something you're looking for from a guy who's going to be playing minutes at the floor. Um, his defense has come and gone. He's definitely shown spurts of greatness on that end, but consistency is key. I feel like we saw Crowder's best effort on that end day in and day yeah, out. Yeah, he's not Crowder. He's not going to. He's I definitely not he's Crowder, gonna... and that concerns me because when it comes to this next season, I feel like we all want it to go well, but I'm just so concerned that it's going to be a step back because of guys like Morris. You know, he's definitely got tools to help them succeed. I love his three-point stroke. It's a little slow and methodical, but it's consistent and it's good. Uh-huh. And that's definitely going to help this team a lot. Uh, we saw, we've seen him defend LeBron James in key circumstances playing in that division. And he's done a good job with that. So going forward, yeah. that's going to be a big deal, too. Crowder struggled defending LeBron. I mean, everybody yeah. does. But it wasn't like Crowder was this LeBron stopper. Then neither was Bradley, but... Bradley was the Kyrie Irving stopper, or at least they, they were hoping he, he would was. be, but now it's not a problem. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Anyone. I mean, yeah. we got Avery Bradley going to be visiting the Celtics, defending Kyrie Irving on the Celtics. <laughs> <laughs> Man, what an offseason it's been. It's been the wild, wild west. Yeah. But, um, but, I, but yeah, I, I think all your, your concerns about Morris are valid in that he's not as, a, as consistent of a player. He's not probably as dependable. Um but I think also you have to consider the Celtics made that trade because they needed to make that trade. They, they did. They needed, they needed like to open the up trade. that. Yeah, and, and they have Morris on a very extremely bargain-type level deal for the yeah. next two years. I mean, mm-hmm. the, those, that, that type of contract, you, don't, you won't see that type of contract, those numbers anymore, just based on the way the salary is It's built a beautiful now. contract, yeah. $5 million this year, $5 million next year. Two years right. of team control when you're giving an expiring guy is a big, big win, and that's why I love the trade. And I do love parts of this guy's game. I mean, he definitely warranted more usage last year, and he got in Detroit. The percentages went down a little bit, but he was still a steady three-point shooter at 33%. I still think he's a very valuable player, definitely above an average player in this league, especially with the defensive intensity he has. I don't think there's any lack of intensity in the way this guy plays the game. We saw that Markeith Morris plays a very similar brand of basketball in Washington, and he became a big part of that Wizards Uh team, part of their core for that matter. So I definitely think there's big potential with Morris, especially you saw what a dumpster fire that Detroit team was last year. That's part of how a guy performs. And now he's entering a more stable situation with a better coach, I think. So there's definitely some reason for optimism there. 
But I'm still a big Jay Crowder guy. I always have been. I think people rushed him out the door way too soon. And it's going to be a rude awakening because I don't think this guy's as good as Crowder. I think some of the analytical numbers will show you that unless he takes a jump this year. So mm-hmm. we'll see where it goes. I hope he's not suspended either. That wasn't hanging over Crowder's head. No, and I don't think you uh... – I hope people aren't trying to compare the two because, uh, you know, it's a little – it's not exactly yeah. what the Celtics were, were aiming to do was replace Crowder with Morris, and I don't think they think that. But the bottom line is Crowder, he was a, he was a great all-around player, but he wasn't he wasn't untouchable. And, and yeah. he's a guy that – if the Celtics needed to get a guy like Irving, I think that he's he's not the type of player where you say, you know, no, you can't – we can't do this. We can't give up Crowder. Now, Crowder had a great contract as well, awesome contract. And he's going to outperform that contract most likely for the rest of, for the remainder of it. Um, but I, I don't think that makes him, you know, less untouchable. I think. So big news is that there's a bird on the Celtics, number 26, <laughs> not number three, 33. And yeah. we're going to hope he can channel some of that Larry Bird magic. It's Jabari Bird out of California, six six, 198 pounds. A uh, nice two-way player out of California there, much to the tune of Jalen Brown. Definitely not as much potential as we see in Jalen Brown. This, of course, being a second-round pick. A guy in that new two-way deal where guys are going to be able to split time between the D-League, or the G-League, mm-hmm. rather, and the NBA. The money will be split accordingly between those two sides. And you can kind of hang on to some of your extra draft picks. Uh, last year, Jabari Bird wouldn't be on this roster. He wouldn't even have a shot. And who knows if he'd even have an NBA spot. But I've watched a lot of video on this guy. He's very active on the defensive end of the floor. He's a good finisher around the rim. He loves to shoot the corner three. We saw a lot of him getting involved in the summer league. And, of course, not a guy you expect to be involved in any way, shape, or form this year on the roster unless injuries strike. But I definitely think he's a good guy for them to keep in their back pocket because he does have some... Good two-way potential. He's a lighter guy. He's more of a swingman type. But he put up 14 points a game in college, 53% from the field, five rebounds a game at that swingman position. Those are some solid numbers. Yeah, and I'll be the first to admit, I don't know a ton about him. Just I know that he's a bird, so automatically there you go. That is goes up a few, he goes up a few points in my book. Um, and, I, and I do like the whole two-way player deal. I think that's awesome. Like, all the reasons that you mentioned is because there are a lot of talented players that you know unfortunately it's the nba there's only so many roster spots there's only two there's only you know two rounds and good players are getting replaced every year i mean there's some players that just are having a hard time finding an nba roster spot and they go over to the g league and they make their mark that way and it gives them an opportunity to perform so can bird be one of those guys i think absolutely um and you look at abdul abdul nader i mean that's a player who the celtics kept you know they kept on their roster and they they believed in him and now he's got himself a legit NBA roster spot, and maybe they see something in Bird that they saw in Nader that they say, hey, you know, this guy's worth hanging on to for a bit, and we'll see where it goes from there. But I think he's going to be um, a good player for all those fans up in Maine for yeah. most of this season. And that's a good thing because I, I'm glad you brought that up. We need more reason to watch the G League. We need more talented guys in that league because it makes yeah. it a better developmental league. The more sure. competition you can get in there, the better. And now some of these second-round pick guys who might have went overseas, making a little bit more money, getting time in the yeah. NBA, making NBA money. And I think there's more and more good reason to go up there and watch Maine if you can make the drive. Jabari Bird, Kadeem Allen, uh, who knows who else we'll see up there this year that they're able to pick up. There's 
been a lot of the draft picks over the last few years who performed greatly up there. So there's going to just be more reason to watch the G League, which is a good thing because there's a lot of basketball talent in this world. Um, that's it. Yeah. Th- those are our guys for today. Final thoughts, Jimmy, before we sign off? Final thoughts. Uh, I guess maybe by the time this video is posted, we'll know for sure if Kyrie Irving's officially on the Celtics. That's the main thing going through my head right now is – you know, let's get this team together at least on paper, and yes. then and go and go from there. I, I let, I'll tell you what. I, I don't think this trade can't happen. I think it's it, it has to happen in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. I think that it. I, I wouldn't give anything more than a second round pick. I think the Cavs are out of their out of their minds right now, trying to trying to steal another pick, acting like they you know had the they were fooled or something. Like the Celtics were very upfront with everything that was going on. I think the trade goes through. Maybe the second round pick gets thrown in. Or like a crazy conditional first that ends up being a second. Um, yeah. But I think it happens, and I think the Celtics, in the long run, and, and I still think the Cavs, if this trade goes through, I still think the Cavs are better than the Celtics this year, but I think the Celtics are a better team the more time they'll have spent together. Next year, I think the Celtics are the better team, and they are the number one seed. This year, I'm not willing to say that. And that's the key. This is a long-term deal, even if that long term's two years, and who knows, maybe this will be a key bridge year that we look at that sees them mm-hmm. become a championship team in two years, three years. I'm going to give right. it a shot. I don't love it right now. Uh, <laughs> we'll see if it even goes through. If it doesn't, it's going to be a disaster. And we'll be... have a lot of angry Man. people, a lot of angry people on this show in particular, especially me. So we'll stay tuned to that. And we're going to have more Celtics blog alum on this show as we preview the roster. Yeah. Thanks for being with us, Jimmy. It's good to have you back on the site. And we'll be following you on the Garden Report this year. Thanks for having me. That's the Banners broadcast. We'll see you next week on Wednesday as we preview five more players from the Celtics roster this coming year. I'm Bobby Manning. Thanks for being with us. Subscribe to the show and read Celtics blog. Good stuff up there all the time. Good night. Reunion Arena in Dallas, where the Mavs and Lakers are playing tonight, was built in 1980. Now, you couldn't ask for a better facility. It's easily accessible, has all the comforts of a theater, and there isn't a bad seat in the house. But for some reason, there are those who prefer the Boston Garden, mostly those who wear Celtic green. What is so special about the Boston Garden, other than the fact that it's a 1,000 years old? Let's take a look.